Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1236 of the Lockdown Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Tuesday in mid-May. And today's podcast is brought to you by PrizePix. Check out prizepix.com right now. Use the promo code MBA. Go to the App Store and download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. And today's show is actually a two-parter. Part one that you're watching or listening to right now with myself and Tower Jones. Then part two, also with Tower Jones. A uh, free-flowing conversation, as always, with myself and Tyler. We have a lot of fun talking about the Hawks and the big picture stuff and the details and all that fun stuff. Tower's always a fan favorite on the podcast. will be up, coming up momentarily. There's one piece of news here at the top of the show, though, because the NBA announced on Tuesday morning that the Hawks will be facing the Milwaukee Bucks in two games, uh, exhibition-style preseason games, in Abu Dhabi on October 6th and October 8th, the first time the NBA has ever played games in the region. That brings some fanfare for the Hawks nationally and internationally. Not a bad thing for the organization by any means. Not a ton of details right now on uh, beyond the dates. Uh, tickets not in sale yet, for instance, but you can sign up if you want to get uh, updates. The NBA website has some sign-up details there for the exclusive uh, one-of-a-kind details when they come out. Um, just for the record, Abu Dhabi is about actually eight hours ahead of the Eastern time zone, so it's kind of a safe bet. Those games will be played uh, midday-ish in the Eastern time zone, so uh, obviously so keep an eye on there. It's a Thursday and a Saturday in October. There are preseason games, clearly, and uh, this could impact the rest of the schedule for the Hawks. Um, oftentimes, not always, but in recent years, when teams go overseas to Asia or Africa or Europe for games, they uh, will come to training camp a little bit earlier. And that usually uh, sort of gives them a little bit of a buffer zone for travel and all that stuff. So the Hawks might report before everybody else does. We'll see on that. No details yet on that. But uh, usually in like September, late September, teams start on gathering for media day and training camp, et cetera. The Hawks will be a little bit before that, but perhaps this time around. So, um, I probably won't go to the game, to be honest with you. It's one of those things. Uh, it's a lot of travel for that. And, I'm, of course, I'm sort of a uh, self-employed kind of uh, operator on this kind of a space. Not going to be uh, paid for by anybody else besides myself. But should be a lot of fun to keep an eye on that. And uh, I'm sure they'll have some extra eyeballs on the Hawks in October for uh, varying reasons, both from uh, to see what the roster looks like, of course, but also just the uh, extra fanfare. I'm sure they'll have some national TV coverage of this stuff, NBA, NBA TV at bare minimum. Etc. So that'll be uh, what's coming up in early October. And then at some point, we'll get the rest of the pre preseason schedule and, of course, the season schedule uh, to come after that. So it's still early in the process, but the NBA got out ahead of this one a little bit on Tuesday morning and announced that. So Hawks Bucks twice in Abu Dhabi in October. Okay. With that out of the way, we'll get to myself and Tyler Jones. Again, this is part one of two. So please, in your podcast player, check out for part two at the end of part one. Go ahead and flip over to part two. Uh, it's, it's meant to be consumed at the same time if possible. So there you go on that. It's off-season, though. We're trying to we spread the content out a little bit for you, not go an hour plus on one episode if I can help it. So keep that in mind. And thank you for listening to the podcast as always. And please subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. With that said, we'll have the intro right now, and when I come back, it'll be myself and Tower Jones talking about the Hawks, the offseason, the future, and much more. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. I am joined now by friend of the podcast, frequent guest of the podcast. Tyler Jones is back for the first time in the postseason slash offseason realm. Tyler, welcome back. Yeah, how about our Braves, Brad? Yeah. <laughs> of course, you go there first. Good. They're looking pretty good out here, man. Acuna got them playing ABC baseball, you know, without the bunny. But I know. saw some optimism from you on the Braves. We won't do much on this, but uh, I saw I saw you were from like in one day talking about how bad the Braves are to being excited again. I really appreciated that. I Especially. mean, that, that Brewers game was 
honestly, that's one of the funnest baseball games I've seen in a long time. Like, it was just, this is a lot of good baseball being played. So, you know, I'm happy, you know, I, I have to, I, I, I can't lie and say I'm not, you know, I mean, they did win the World Series. So, and I can't be too much of a hater with the Braves since they won the World Series. So, it's good to see them picking it up. Um, Ozunia needs to get his together. But, uh, <laughs> nothing, nothing says uh, mid-May like uh, you coming on the pod and opening with, opening with the Braves. That's, that's good stuff right there. I mean, um, we talk about the Falcons a bit, you know. I think they had a good draft. <laughs> uh, we could do that. That'd be fun, actually. Uh, you and I, you and I doing talking talk would be a Congress teammate, first round pick. So that's true. Uh, former USC basketball player Drake London is now the uh, receiver for the Falcons. Um, but you know, it, it's time. We I had you on during the playoffs. Uh, it wasn't that long ago, but obviously they were done pretty quickly. After that, the Hawks were, and um, you know, as as often when you and I talk. I don't really know where this is going to go for the most part, but uh, I wanted to uh, talk to you. I know you were excited to get some takes off, and also uh, we can kind of uh, talk about what happened this year a little bit and then uh, also look ahead to, you know, what's to come. Because, you know, I've had some guests on. I've had people on, and, like, that's kind of – we're in that period now, especially without the Hawks being in the lottery, where we're basically looking back to look ahead for the most part. But, um, I mean, w- what's on your mind? Like, how did, how did things go at the end for you? Obviously, it was not good by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, where's your brain out with the Hawks now? Right now, I mean, it's hard not to be disappointed with the season, uh, especially coming off of what they did last year. Uh, granted, I mean, I, you can only be so mad at how the playoffs, you know, the series with the Heat went. When when you when you you know three of your four best basketball players are all hurt and missing time or probably shouldn't be playing one one of the three, like it's just. It's just going to be an uphill battle, and like, like they should have, should they have extended the series, especially with Butler and Low- Actually, Lowry being hurt probably helped up the Heat more than the Hawks, um, honestly. Um, but you know, with Butler missing Game Five, you know the Hawks probably should have won it. But like, it's whatever. They they weren't doing anything in these playoffs. Not not with how John Collins and Capella looked. Like they couldn't jump. They couldn't move. I'm like. John Collins can't finish around the rim. That's when I'm like, well, what, what, what are we supposed to do? Rely on Gallinari now? And it's like, Gallinari can't defend. It's just, it was just bad. So, I mean, there was some good stuff in that series. You know, it was good to see Dylan Wright, um, you know, go from out of the rotation to be what the third, (laughs) second best player on the team. Uh, yeah, he that was certainly uh, one of the one of the small bright spots uh, was Delon's postseason run, and it is uh, it is quite funny. I know I've said it, you've said it, but uh, him him being him him being out of the rotation for like one day and then uh, coming back was pretty funny. But, Could you imagine if he just played more this season? You know, just in general, like just played uh, more I, minutes. I can't imagine that as someone who called for it regularly on this podcast. But yes, uh, it would have been mean, nice if they I just think played him. That's the, just the frustrating thing with this season. Like, it's just a – I don't know. I, I, I found I, – I didn't think Nate did a good job. Honestly, like, with coaching the team with the talent on the roster, um, it felt like he was trying to replicate what they did last year um, a bit too much, too reliant on – really too reliant on Lou and Gallo. 
like for a lot of it. Like, I mean, Gallo turned it around, but well, and they and they kind of had to play Gallo, but like, yeah, it, it, it became pretty clear that they didn't need to play Lou like early in the season, and that yeah. that's what was frustrating about that. And that again, this is as a long time uh, Lou guy. I've been I played against Lou as a kid. Like it's it's been a long time, but he he was he just didn't have it anymore. It was very obvious. Um, not to redo all of this. I actually was going to ask you about Nate, but so let's do it now because I, I know you saw this. Um, I, you're not quite as online as I am with some of this stuff, but uh, there were lots of Hawks fans that wanted Nate fired and were upset that he's not going to get fired. And there was a vote of confidence from Tony the other day. And uh, I mean, where are you at with Nate in general? Because you know you're not going to you know. In my, I know you get uh, you get hyped up sometimes on certain things, but you're not you're not you're not necessarily a fire the coach guy. So I want to know what you think about uh, the way. I mean, you, you said that Nathan can do a great job. I, I kind of agree with you, but do you think Nate's like the wrong guy for them or what? I said mid season or sometime in this season that they may want to look to either maybe have some different voices on the assistant staff. Um. Just because a lot, a lot of what went wrong just wasn't good enough from from like either like let's start with the coaching. I just didn't find from the rotations to, I mean, to even like the training staff. Like I don't the new training staff, by the way, which just, yeah, which, which like just changed it, over fairly recently. Obviously, you know, it felt like they were pushing guys out there when they weren't ready to play. Like too often, like it was just too many times where I'm questioning. Is this guy playing hurt, playing through an injury when last year, you know, they tend to just sit the game out and like heal up and be better towards the end of the year? Like maybe that attributed to to some of the decline we saw from Capella. I mean, from Collins in particular, just playing through that foot injury. I found that I found that to be more debilitating than the hand injury, actually. Like, Like he was clearly limping and like I I don't know, it just from that to like, you know, coaching this late game coaching decisions, not subbing in offensive or defense, not playing Dylan Wright a ton of minutes, but also just the scheme. Like the conservative defense was not working. Why didn't they try something else? They it's not like I get it. This is an offensive first team. But it's not like they're bereft of defensive talent. Like they, I feel like Nate had options to get uh, to do stuff defensively that during the season. Not talking about the playoffs, just during the season in general. But it was, it, but it just felt like Nate was just. I, I got my ten guys. I'm just gonna go ride out with my ten guys. I'm. I mean, he even said that too. Like he basically referred to those ten guys so many times this year, and like he, th- th- those were his ten guys. And Delon was apparently <laughs> ten out of ten of those ten guys. I mean, he was eleven of ten. Yeah. Until they traded Cam, and then it was like, all right, we're gonna throw Lou and like, I mean, I it, it's it's a long, but it's like never not really playing Delon right and Trey Young together for extended minutes during the season, not getting Herder and Bogdanovich on the floor at the same time, like when that's your like. I mean, I, I get it. They're trying to get Hunter going, but that's that's Trey Young, Kevin Herter, Bogdan Madonovich, John Collins, Clint Capella. That that's the t- that's the lineup that got you to the conference finals. And like they 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 played it for like a stretch of games, and then Bogdan got hurt, and they never got back to it. Like, granted, injuries injuries played a large part of why they couldn't get back to that lineup due to Capella and Collins both more or less being hurt 
at different times of the season. Um, but still, like, they never got really back to that. They never. It's weird how they never got back to that lineup. Well, and um, to your point, by the way, um, just even even taking out the front court guys because there were the injuries with Collins and Capella at, at different times. But if you just if you just say Trey Herder and Bogdanovich, which I know people on the outside especially always were like, well, can they guard with that with that group? Uh, and I get that I get that concern. But those three guys this year played like 500 plus minutes, and they had a plus 6.8 net rating. The three of them. That's that's a really good basketball team. I mean, obviously you can't just take that as gospel, but it's been two years now of Herder and Bogey working as a pairing on the wing. And, and that do, and that five well. and that five man unit, I I talked about like I know it was dominant this year because I it that was the when Hunter first got hurt, that was the start of them turning the season around. Um, after those first thirteen games where they they went on a run and started really like that was the best stretch of basketball they played all year. Uh, like oh, I, I just found it. By the way, you want to know what the, what the five man lineup is? With, it, it was uh, over ten. It was over ten. No, it's it's way, obviously this is it's a very small sample size because five man lineups don't have a ton of minutes generally. But it was their fourth most used lineup of the season, which isn't like a ton. It's 164 minutes, so it's like you know not huge. Uh, Young, Herder, Bogdanovich, Collins, and Capella were plus 30.8 for hundred percent. Brad. And I don't know if people remember. They started so poorly. It was like a four and nine start, but like literally after DeAndre Hunter got hurt, they inserted Bogey into the starting lineup, and that unit destroyed teams in ways that they just they never got back to. They never got back to that lineup again because Bogey got hurt. But like that lineup was dominant, and like to me, it felt like a lot of this year was we're really trying to make this DeAndre Hunter thing work. Yes. Agreed. Like there's, I mean, because they, they, it's, I get it. He's a big wing and every team needs a big wing to guard other teams, big wings. And like, we talked about how the perimeter defense was so bad and all this and that. And I'm like, yeah, but this is this. Look at this roster. This is an offensive first team why not just go with your best guys instead of trying to force DeAndre Hunter into working? It felt forced to me with Hunter. And, and like, it, it's just something in his game on both ends that just doesn't mesh with the rest of this team. I, you know, it beyond, beyond just his production, like, I want to put that to the side. I just, the way he plays, Brad, don't think meshes well with the rest of these guys. And, but now, but now it feels like, but they, at the same time, they kind of need him to be, if they want to be a contender, he has to be on that level. You know, he has to be Mikael Bridges like, or even, you know, somewhere around that. But I, I just don't think he has the talent to do that, particularly on defense. Like it's hard, Brad. It's just tough to be a good defender in this league. If you if you don't rebound, you don't get steals, you don't get blocks, and you don't disrupt plays. Like it, you can only be like I'm. I'm like he's a one position. Like he, he can't guard bigs. He can't be the low man. And it's like, well, when you got when Trey Young is on your roster, you kind of need everybody to be able to do something on defense. You know, it has to be a bit more vert. At least if he's one of your better defenders. We'll have more with myself and Tyler in a moment, but first a word from our sponsors on the show today, and the first of which is Prize Picks. If you're looking for a daily fantasy option this year, check out the award-winning app 
at Price Picks. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I know that I love it, and I know that you will as well. It's so easy to use. That's part of the appeal at Price Picks. All you have to do is pick two to five players and overrun their under on their projections. Win up 10 times on any entry. It's just you have to project the numbers. An entire entry can be made just a minute or less. It's that easy and it's that timely. Prize Picks is also safe. It offers fast withdrawals, which is huge. And Prize Picks offers props to almost anything you can think of. That includes points and rebounds, assists, even steals. And they have mixed sports entries as well. If you're into MMA or soccer or baseball, any kind of sports, pair that stuff together in terms of your knowledge base, use those skills at the same time. And for a limited time, Prize Picks is a suitable offer for our listeners only, and it's an absolute no brainer. $50 for free. If a player on your first picks, price picks entry scores even a single point, and all you have to do is use the promo code NBA. That's right. Exclusively offered to locked on fans. Sign up today. Use the promo code NBA. Get $50 for free on a player. If, the, if that player scores at least one point, yes, just one point on the first entry, $50 for free. Check it all out today at Price Picks. Today's show is brought to you by Athletic Greens. My schedule is pretty crazy this time of year and really all the time. I started taking Athletic Greens because I actually was trying to be healthier, have more energy, want to see what all the fuss was about with Athletic Greens. And now I've been on it for a while, and AG1 is what I'm taking for months. And I really love it. AG1 does not taste like a typical thing that's super healthy. And I really look forward to actually taking AG1 each and every day. It's the first thing I'm going to have when I wake up. And just one delicious scoop of AG1 from Athletic Greens. You're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source of superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day on the absolute right note. And they have a special blend of ingredients that supports your nervous system, your immune system, your gut health, your energy, and gives you the ability to focus and recover. And AG1 costs less than $3 a day. You're investing big time in your health. It's cheaper than cold brew. That's uh, something that I definitely can attest to. And AG1 also supports better sleep quality and recovery as well as mental clarity and alertness. And right now, it is time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with the convenient daily nutrition that AG1 and Athletic Greens provides. It's one scoop of water in a cup every day, and that's really all you have to do. No need for a million different pills. It's something to look out for your health to make it even easier on you as well. Athletic Greens has a great offer for us, and that is they'll give you the free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash NBA network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NBA network. Take ownership over your health today and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Tyler, keeping it, keeping on that a little bit, I know um, I'm not trying to talk about Hunter necessarily, but um, one of the one of the things about just the reality of the, se- of the season was that he, you know, I know you're lower on him than I am in general, um, and I'm not like over the moon at this point either. But like he just wasn't very good this year, which I think I think most people that are rational can sort of look at the numbers and look at the advanced stuff and look at the eye test and kind of agree on that. But I do wonder like. I'm with you that they were trying to get him in there and trying to use him as much as possible. But also like he had to play a lot of four and you mentioned it earlier, like the fact that he doesn't really rebound and all that stuff. And um, you know, this is kind of the thing that was kind of similar to Torian Prince. They're different players, but there was always this push for Torian Prince back in the day to play a lot of four. And it's like, well, he doesn't rebound. So you can't really play him at the four. And they had to this year because Collins was hurt because Gallo was uh, out sometimes, et cetera. But even if you're like, very pro DeAndre Hunter, they just kind of need another guy that can be a wing. I mean, that's something we talked about a lot during the season, but not that Cam was good because he wasn't particularly good last year. But once they traded him away, you know, DeLon Wright was their fourth wing. But as we talked about before, they didn't really like like to use him as that. Like they just kind of need more on the wing in general, which I've been saying a lot, but it, it really is the case between the injury to Bogey, between his defensive lapses this year. Herter was fine, but didn't like take a huge step forward either. Um, they just didn't have a, enough on the wing. And that, that's like a very broad statement. But I wonder if you agree, like, do they just need to have better wing play? Because that's what I think that kind of is their biggest like individual issue. It's just kind of better wing play. Yeah, and I really... And this is just another thing, like, 
I really wish they tried harder to get Jalen Johnson into the rotation. Just, I know Hawks fans agree with you. I mean, not. I mean, it's tough watching. I mean, I'm not watching playoff basketball, but you see all these teams. There, these are rookies playing in conference finals games, like starting, and it's because they get. You know, they're not in the closing lineup. I'm not. I wasn't asking Jalen to be in the. I'm just asking him just to get some burn. There were some games against the Rockets, against the Magic. Like, just throw them out there. Like, Well, the, the, exa- the example, by the way, is actually uh, your uh, your pseudo-hometown Memphis Grizzlies with Zaire Williams, who, like, oh, Zaire Z- Williams what? was not – he was not a great uh, – by the way, Zaire Williams was, like, not a great college player and was supposed to be kind of far away, and he's been in the rotation in the playoffs with the Grizzlies. Like, and he's not, like, lighting the world on fire – but that's a guy who was similar in terms of prospect pedigree to Jalen, similar in terms of having kind of a rough freshman year to Jalen, and was as, as playing on a team that's still playing in the playoffs. Like he's been a, a, mean, a key piece for it. But Brett, it, Jalen was when he played. Jalen was actually yeah know, he played solid. No, yeah, you, you know what you know Zaire, what I mean though. Like just a kind of Zaire, kind of a weird Zaire, season, not not a bad. But one. like, but my point is like Zaire Williams was bad. Was like, bad. He was in objectively, a bad basketball player. His freshman year. Now he's starting in the in the semifinals for you know a fifty plus win basketball team in the Grizzlies. Who yep gives them credit. They play their young guys like, and that's just it's like the, the Hawks somehow went from the quote unquote deepest team in the league. Like we talked about this in the preseason, how they maybe they have too many guys to we end the playoff series with with them only with Nate only what playing six guys basically. I mean, seven for sure. I mean, and in fact, and by the way, one of those seven was DeLon, who was supposed to be like, he's a veteran on an expiring contract. It wasn't like he's a core piece of the team on paper. He ended up being good for them. But, you know, and really it was just the cam trade. Uh, you know, clearly, as we talked about before, Capella and Collins were not healthy in the playoffs. And that certainly matters. But, you know, as far as guys who were supposed to be part of the group preseason, the only guy that wasn't around in the playoffs was Cam. And Cam was traded, you know, months earlier. But it wasn't like they had huge like absences that were, you know, long long term. They they kind of had all their guys. Granted, some of them were in a reduced state, but it wasn't like they had just huge atrophy either. And, and that just goes to my. It's like, but like my point is like the wing being an issue was an issue all year. They yeah. It's not like they, but they did spend a first round pick on a three, you know, a four three. Well, and that, that's part of that part of that is that they, they they said it multiple times and I know we talked about it but like they they basically never even considered Jalen on the wing this year he was basically a big in every possible way he played he played four and five in college park and when he was when he was with Atlanta the brief time that he did play he only really ever saw minutes or even like garbage time minutes at the four and five he never he never even looked at the three and I'm not saying he has to but like that wasn't really an option in their mind I think he's more of a four long term anyway but certainly like they didn't even consider it year i don't know it just like to me with especially with how the league is going where teams are just throwing out more size at any position um to not even like they just didn't attempt some stuff like i like i get i get capella collins gallo like that lineup while it works it's funky but it worked last year in the playoffs like why not why not try it? You know, especially when like DeAndre Hunter just wasn't good enough. Like I'm, I'm, I, I, you know, there's just, or, you know, playing when, when Collins was hurt, like against certain teams, 
I, I still remember the Pistons game where the Hawks couldn't grab a defensive rebound. <laughs> it's like, why not just throw a Kongu and Capella out there on the floor at the same time? They did like, it once I, all year. Remember that one time, one time they actually did it? And it was like for five minutes, but it wasn't. They literally did it once. But, Brett, it, it doesn't need to be for – I don't need them to play together for like 20 minutes of the game like they do with sure. Collins and Capella. Just, just get some stability out there against certain teams who you know you're better than. But you're just losing the possession battle. Like it's just, it you know, it's just like Nate never tried anything. All the way up to the playoffs, like in, into the playoffs, it's like you're literally watching Collins struggle to get up and down the floor. Can, you know, we're not we're not going to the NBA Finals. Can we at least throw <laughs> Jalen Johnson out there just to see? Like the the Heat are not playing any athletes outside of Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler. There might be an advantage there if you throw Jalen out there just as a pace changer, just somebody to throw out there that they have to acknowledge as a lob threat since Collins and Capella couldn't do it. Like, give give Trey Young a chance. I have a, I have a stat, by the way, uh, on Jalen Johnson. And look, I was not someone during the year that was, like, screaming about him not playing. I do understand it because, you know, rookies are bad, all that stuff. But he should have played more. And here's a crazy stat. You know, Solomon Hill, my guy, he got injured in early December, like very early December, which is like, you know, within the first quarter of the season. And he was a role player before that, et cetera. Solomon Hill played more minutes for the Hawks this year than Jalen Johnson. Oh, man. Solomon Hill, again, a season-ending injury and then was traded, and he played more minutes than Jalen Johnson did for the season. And by the way, Johnson did, did play more minutes than Kevin Knox did by eight. Like he basically played the same amount of minutes as Kevin Knox, who was <laughs> traded for midseason, is not a part of the future. And, you know, clearly there were times when Nate openly chose Kevin Knox over Jalen Johnson. Like in terms of like we we have a we have a rotation spot to fill because somebody's hurt. We're gonna play Kevin Knox instead of Jalen Johnson. And I know there's the whole TLC thing too, but they're you know, TLC is like a pure wing. Kevin Knox was playing the four ahead of Jalen Johnson. So Yeah, the, the Kevin Knox experiment. That went over real quick. I, I, but, I mean, that that's the point. It's like you give the Knox a chance, but you're not going to give the first-round pick that we is it, is, is it just as simple as being a rookie? I think it really might be. I mean, obviously it's not really that simple, but maybe it actually is. Maybe Nate's just like, all right, rookies, no thanks. <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, it's wild. I, 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 want, I would love to get some truth serum on Nate in particular and just be like, is it just the fact that they're rookies? Like, Because, you know, Kongwu, they built the roster this way last year, but they had to play a Kongwu, and they did. Once he was healthy, he was a rookie, but he had to play, and he played. Now, he didn't play a ton. There were times where he, didn't, where he was out of the rotation, but for the most part, when he was back and healthy, he was in the rotation, on his, at least the fringe level. Yeah, course, but if you remember, Schlank was like, yo, you got to play this kid. Well, that's what I mean. I, I wonder if it was like it just took that. Well, and also, again, roster building-wise, they built the roster last season to where they kind of had to play a Kongwu. There wasn't another guy for him to play. And now you could argue this year that was kind of the same thing with uh, once Gallo was out or once Collins was out, like they were still choosing other guys over Jalen, but they could have, you know, coming into the season, I did try to warn people that he wasn't going to play just because like, look, look at the roster, look at the coach. He ain't going to play him and he didn't play him, but it was still frustrating. It's, I'm, 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 we're I mean, spending a lot of time on this, but it's like, I you know. I, I know, but it just speaks, it, it speaks to a large point where it's like Nate didn't really try anything different because like it was it's the innovation part he's not he's not innovative he's the lack of it's the lack of innovation from his rotations and the lack of innovation what they're doing defensively like it 
they, well, here's, here's there, the thing, there's the way, no way they should be the fourth worst defense in the NBA. No way. They, they, that, like, Trey Young aside, like, this is not some team full of guys who are just absolute bottom of the barrel. They have three rim. Brad, this team has three rim protectors, and they all play on, they're all on the floor, two of them on the floor at the same time, most of the game. Like, it, that well, should and, not and the, cra- the crazy thing is, like, you expect them to be worse with Trey, when Trey plays on defense, but they were only like two points per, per 100 possessions worse with Trey on the floor defensively this year, something like that, in terms of like worse than, worse than their overall baseline. Obviously, they were still good when he's when he sat. They had a 108 defensive rating when Trey's off the floor, which is pretty good, but like, I would have bet that was going to be like 102 when Trey sat because they were playing. Because again, they should have been playing Delon Wright if they were doing that. If you're playing Delon Wright in, in place of Trey Young, you can be pretty good defensively because that's your weakest point. But like, I don't know. They, they never really. Um, and this is more of a future facing concern too. But like, I, I actually wonder a lot what would happen if they were to move Capella and try to go with Nate coaching a Kongwu because this is only a one part of the calculus, but. If you're if you're using a Kongwu as your guy as your primary starting center, using a super conservative defense doesn't actually make any sense. With Capella, it makes perfect sense in some ways because he's awesome at that kind of stuff. He's a great drop defender, rim protector, all that stuff. Like part of the thing about having a Kongwu is that a Kongwu can fly around the floor and be you know he's six eight. He he moves like a forward, and I don't know if like. It'll change things if that actually happens. It may, it, may, it may never happen. I have no idea. But if they were suddenly without Capella for a while or a trade or whatever, would they go more cons- more aggressive? I don't know. I'd be interested to see it. We'll have more for myself and Tyler in a moment. But first, a word from our friends at BetOnline.net. BetOnline is fantastic. It's May right now. Baseball season is actually here and running at full steam at this point. And, of course, the NBA playoffs are also running each and every night with the jam-packed slate of games pretty much every day with the next couple of months anyway. And with that in mind, BetOnline.net is the number one source for all of your sports betting needs and information this year. And from all the latest odds, contests, futures, player props, exotics, and much more, BetOnline remains the best spot for all the latest development in sports. That includes podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season, and not just basketball or baseball either. BetOnline has the continued source for you for everything you need in sports wagering information and everything you possibly have. That includes live betting, casino games, poker, and more. BetOnline has odds as well on all kinds of different sports and offerings. That includes golf, esports, tennis, auto racing, horse racing. They have hockey, MMA, boxing, they have soccer, cricket, entertainment bets, and much more. And futures markets are always available on the football side of things. NFL and college football is still looming in the fall. And even right now today, you can find who wins the NBA title, who wins college basketball championship next year, et cetera, et cetera. Everything is there for you at betonline.net. Head to betonline.net right now. Learn more about all the trends and the action in the sports world today. BetOnline, where the game starts. You say, like, if they were to trade Capella, I think, I, you know, watching these, you know, watching the watching Giannis a bit in these playoffs, just Giannis highlights. I don't know how the Hawks beat this that Bucks team. <laughs> so, and I'm like, maybe, maybe they need to break up the Capella Collins front court. Oh, right? look at that. Look at look at look at Tower Jones making waves on my podcast right now, because uh, you're. I mean, and by, I'm assuming that means a Capella trade because I, I can't imagine you advocating for a John Collins trade on this podcast. I mean, I, I'm not advocating for a Collins trade for on two fronts. One, he's my favorite <laughs> player to watch, and two, like I don't know where his trade value is because, uh, like, I, I think it's pretty good. I mean, it's good, it, but like, what do you? getting for him, well right? that's the real question and people always ask me this and it's a good time to do it i'm not a big fake trade guy we'll probably do a fake trade podcast at some point 
but with Collins, um, there's this notion and in Hawks fans that don't like Collins as much as you do and as much as I do, even he's like, Oh, this guy's got, it's got this terrible contract. It's like, no, like they could move Collins in a, in a half a second if they wanted to. Like, it's not about that. He, he's still on a good contract. It's not like a super heist anymore because he's making $25 million a year, but that's a movable deal. But to your point, like training Collins doesn't solve the problem on itself because you have to replace what he does for you. Um, and I understand Jalen Johnson might be good, but if your plan is to trade John Collins and just turn the reins over to Jalen Johnson, that's not a plan in terms of right now today, trying to be good. And Gallows of Gallows, either a free agent or he might be a free agent in the near future. So they have to like also get a power forward back. Like if you're trading somebody else, it might be a little bit easier. Like let's, for instance, let's say if they're trading Capella, and I'm not saying they're going to do this, you could be a little bit more aggressive because you have a Congo on your roster. Like exactly. you, don't have, you don't have to have a center back for Capella if you trade him. If you trade John Collins, you have to have an explicit plan to fill that spot. And for me, it cannot be Jalen Johnson 30 minutes a game next year. That, that's not, I mean, maybe that'll be the case long term if Jalen becomes awesome, and he might be. But like for next year on a team with Trey Young and a team that with Nate McMillan that's trying to win, you got to have a starting quality power forward. You don't have one if you trade, if you trade Collins. Yeah. That, and, 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 I, and I think you could probably just get more from Capella just because I think the center market is like teams need centers um, in ways they don't need like they just don't need what like a two-way power forward like I like I think just the positional value let's take who's the better basketball player just positional value I think what Capella does can transform a basketball team like if Capella were inserted into the Hornets. Oh, I knew you were going to go there, but you're he right. cleans up so much. He cleans up so much of their issues defensively. Um, I mean, there are other teams in the Hornets. Like honestly, I think the Grizzlies could could use Capella. Um, That's one of the arguments against Collins too. Not not that we're going to make that because we're both pro Collins. But if you were trying to make a Collins anti argument, as people have, like part of the problem is that like you know traditional quote unquote power forwards are just kind of weird. And that's, that's what he is at this point. He's mostly a power forward and like, he's really good, but he does like a lot of teams don't really use that guy in that way. And Capella is an easy plug and play, which is kind of what you're saying. Like any, basically any team is, that does not already have like Rudy Gobert on it. Um, exactly. Like to have Capella. He's good. I, I, I think that's my, that's my larger point. It's just like, you know, with, with Collins, I just, teams that are trying to win, probably have their forward rotation down pat like where they don't like that that spot is usually reserved for the Kevin Durant's the the Jason Tatum's Jalen Brown types um in this league where you know what Collins does is kind of a bit of a throwback but it's also like every team knows he's good but they don't need him as much as they need somebody to grab rebounds and protect the rim the way Capella can. But like to me, like I to me, even though I understand, like intuitively I understand Capella's the more valuable basketball player. I do think he limits what the Hawks can do on both ends of the floor. Um offensively and defensively. Like if you're one, like, why do the Hawks always run only run pick and roll? I think a lot of it, I, you know, I had this epiphany. And I was just like, is it be, do they run that play because it's their best play, or is it because 
Capella really can't do anything else. Like, you can't have Capella set screens for Collins because nobody guards him. Like, no team was guarding Capella off the ball this year except for a lob threat. And then teams are just switching on to Capella. And, I mean, Capella long-term scares me. I don't know if he scares you, Brad, just long-term, like, beyond the injuries. I mean, he shot 47% from the free throw line. Well, yeah, I mean, there's there's lots of reasons to be a little bit concerned, especially because he locked – I mean, we talked about it at the time, but the Capella extension wasn't terrible, but it is risky because you're 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 committing multiple years to a guy who was already, you know, getting up there in age. He's, you know, he'll be 28 soon, and that's not super old, but he came in the league young, 2014 draft, and, like, he has to be physical and explosive to do what he does on both ends of the floor on offense. I know there's this like, no, this, there's this narrative in, in Hawks fans that he's like a terrible offensive player, which is just not true at all. He's a great, he's, still, he's, he's still a great lob threat. He's still really fast getting down the lane, but like the finishing has gotten a little bit worse for sure. And also his free throw shooting, like you said, uh, went back to like early Houston levels this season, which is not what you want to see. And you have a con. So it's, it's, it's that three, that three prong thing where like, I didn't mind it in terms of, just pure value, but yeah, you have to be a little bit afraid because if he takes a step, let's say next season, if Capella is not great. And I think if you watch the second half of this year, you and I saw it, but people that weren't paying attention kind of missed this. He was awesome in the second half of the season. Like awesome. Truly like top 40 player in the league. Awesome. Second half of the season. But if he has the, if he has some issues next year and then you try to trade him, your the value is gone and you're stuck with him for, you know, two more years after that. So like there is a little bit of a tightrope they have to walk with all of the center stuff, because at the same time, a Kongwu, you don't draft a guy like a Kongwu at number six overall to be your backup center. Like that guy's supposed to be your long-term piece when you draft him, but they got Capella at the same time. He's blown away expectations. He's been really good. And he's got three years left on his contract. So it's like, at some point they got to choose. And it's not even about that because like back to your original question, is Capella a little bit risky I think he kind of has to be just because he does rely on his physicality. And if that, if that deteriorates at all, he's not seven, two either. Capella is big, yeah, but he's not seven feet tall. He's like a six, he's like a six ten center more than like, he's obviously a lot bigger than a Kongwu, but like, he's not going to be seven, two and just like being able to dominate just on pure size. Yeah. And like, there's also some other stuff. Like I think the transition defense issues, like, some of that has to go to Capella going for every offensive rebound. Well, and they want him to, but that's a scheme I know thing, they, and you're right. I know yeah. that's what they want him to do. But with Trey Young on this team, I feel like if you well, and play Gallo. more <laughs> – And Gallo, too. Uh, Trey, Trey and Gallo are two of the worst uh, defenders, period, but also traditional defenders in particular in the entire league. Um, so, like, I'm with you. It's, like, a really interesting, like, what if. Like, do you actually want to take Capella off of what he's – he's an awesome offensive rebounder. But, like – do but you that, want to let him do that every time. But if he's not, if he's not offensive rebounding, that tanks his offensive value. Like that, and that's my point. It's like he has to do that to be a viable offensive player. That is a huge part of his value for you sure. Know, he's one of the best in the league at it too. But like he, he might be the best offensive rebounder in the NBA. But it's like, dude. I mean, at the end of the day, it's only thirteen percent of every rebound possession he's getting offensive rebound. Like, is that worth it when he's not finishing his offensive rebounds? You know what I'm saying? Like his shake, you know, his shakier finishing, his inability to make free throws. Like I think there's just there's some stuff where I'm like, if I'm if if I'm Travis, I'm like, look, 
I drafted a combo six. A combo's going to be a beast. Would it be like? Shouldn't I? Shouldn't I look to add some more perimeter talent by possibly trading Capella? Because I think there are teams that are desperate to win that could really use Clint Capella. Like they they just want to make the playoffs, and it's like. I think there's an avenue to get some, like either some lottery picks or potentially, you know, you try to get something better than that. Like that. Yeah, you know, just just getting off of, you know, just not not getting off of Capella, but just like changing the structure of your team so you can play differently, so your defense is more aggressive, plays up to the athleticism that Collins and Akongu have, and even Jalen Johnson has on defense so that you know what our perimeter defenders aren't the best in the world but now that our bigs are flying around the floor and we have a wing that could rebound that that i mean that they have to upgrade from deandre hunter i i I don't i just don't see how he can be a functional part of this team next year with how bad he was but like Uh, i I also (laughs) don't i don't i don't i don't know if an akongu collins hunter lineup is even viable because DeAndre Hunter is just an awful rebounder. And Okongwu's like, like, I think Okongwu's going to be fine. He'll get better, but he's not there now. He's a bad rebounder now. I think, I, and I think that, um, you know, one of the interesting things about it, big picture, is that if you were trying to find a guy to pair with Okongwu, you would actually think Collins is a pretty good fit with Okongwu because Collins, Collins is big in a way that most power forwards today are not. He's a good rebounder in a way that a lot of power forwards today are not. He can help with the backside rim protection a little bit as well. And pairing him with a Kongwu, you would think on defense in particular, is going to be a little bit better than pairing a Kongwu with like, I mean, pick your, you know, more like wing-sized power forward. Like rebounding-wise, you're going to be in some trouble. It's kind of like, and it's not exactly like this, but it's kind of like the way that Paul Millsap unlocked Al Horford in a lot of ways. Yeah. Because Millsap was a great, you know, do everything kind of rebounder defender at the four. And that let the Hawks get away with a lot of stuff because Horford, while I made fun of it forever, is not the biggest guy in the world to be playing center. And obviously it's not the same exact, exact thing. A was even smaller than Horford was, but like, I think if you're trying to rebound enough, pairing a Kongwu with someone like Collins does make some sense. Um, and we've said it forever. I mean, you and I think it has worked more than others. When they traded for Capella, there was the huge conversation about whether him and Collins would work. I think it has worked it has still never been perfect and never will be perfect. It never will be perfect. Yeah, and I think it's it's worked in large part because Collins is sacrificing a lot of his game. He has. You know, and I feel like if if you want to get the most out of your basketball players on this team, like you you probably want Collins to be the guy who we're running pick and rolls with 8,000 times, not Collins, not not Capella. I mean, he's just a more dynamic offensive player, like, I think you could do that more with the Kongu just because the Kongu just has more ball skills and like has the potential to shoot. Like he doesn't even need to shoot, but like he's just a better passer. Like he just he's just a better functional basketball player in that sense where where Capella, like Collins has to space the floor. Like he has to play like Kevin Love did in Cleveland, where he's more or less a, a play finisher all the time instead of a guy you can run sets for. Like a lot of the reason why they couldn't run stuff for Collins because it'd be worthless. Like no team would would ever respect Capella. Like they would just double off Capella's man and Capella just or like, Kongwu. That's the thing. Like both of those yeah. guys can't shoot right now, and that makes that makes Collins' life difficult. Yeah, but the, 
the difference is with with a Kongu, like at least he's got like a hook shot floater game. Like sure, Capella doesn't even have that. I think that's my my bigger point. Is like Capella is just lob dunks or layups around the rim where he where yeah where he's he, gotten better as a passer too. But like that doesn't really draw. Like he actually made huge. Both those guys did, by the way. Capella and Collins made big strides as passers this year. Indeed, but like not necessarily to, to each other. It's not like they're doing a ton of like high low stuff or whatever. There was a couple of big big passing they, situations, but you know, they were to start the season and then teams just stopped respecting. Like they just they yeah. That's, that's back to your point. There's no reason to like really overcommit to it because the space is not there around the interior. Yeah. All right, that will do it for part one of two. And if you did not pay attention earlier. Part two is available right now. So this is episode 1236 you're listening to at this moment in time. If you click over to part two, it's episode 1237 should be in your feeds right now. More from myself and Tyler. Always fun to talk to him and uh, plenty more to get to on this conversation. So please, please, please subscribe to the show on your podcast player of choice. Follow Tyler, follow me if you'd like to and flip over to that part two. We'll see you next time.